My name is Cindy Carter. I'm videotaping in Clarkston, Michigan on the campus of Everest Academy. Thank you for joining this Pentecost Novena. You could have done many other things, but you chose to do this. You are making yourself available to encounter the Holy Spirit in a deeper way, and he will bless you for that. This reflection is based on my own personal experience and on a retreat that the Holy Spirit inspired in me called The Best News Ever, Experiencing the Living God in the Kerygma. I have been Catholic all my life. I was baptized as an infant and confirmed in the eighth grade, but I didn't know the Holy Spirit until about three years ago. At that time, the God-shaped hole in my heart was yearning to be filled. I tried filling it with all the things and it only made me feel more empty. I longed for more than this empty existence that I was living. Enter the Holy Spirit who transformed my life and gave me love and joy beyond anything I could have hoped for. Who is this Holy Spirit? I would describe him as the experience of the living God in our bodies. He's the relationship of God the Father and God the Son living in me. He's the intimacy of the relationship. Intimacy means mutually consensual relationship of knowing another and being deeply known. He is how we know God. He is communion, a two become one flesh communion. And this communion always bears fruit. To have this experience of the Holy Spirit, you have to know that he's real, that he's alive, and that it's possible to, to know him. God wants this relationship with you. He paid a great price for this. He tore the veil from top to bottom, but he will not force you. You have to say yes. When someone first told me that this type of relationship with, with God was possible, I thought they were crazy. But gradually, I began to see that they were not loco crazy, but they were crazy in love and I wanted what they had. So I took a leap of faith and opened my heart so that I could experience it myself. Now I can say with Mary Magdalene in The Chosen, I was one way, now I am completely different and what happened in between was him. So yes, I will love him for the rest of my life. My goal in this reflection is to help you understand the importance of having a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I want to share also some of the things that have helped me along the way. I hope to show you that a Christian life is not just about sin management and following the rules. It's about intimate union with God and walking in the Spirit. So, I like going to concerts. I, maybe some of you do too. 
And so this is a picture from a concert I went to a couple years ago. Can you tell which concert? No, I'm sure you can't because the seats are way too far away and there's no way you can see who's on stage. You can kind of see the giant uh, monitor there, but even that was hard to see. We were so far away. The music was fine, but honestly, it would have been much cheaper to stay in the parking lot with my friends and play the same music. Um, it would have been about, about the same, really. But I'll tell you, another one of my friends at the same concert had much better seats, and she invited me to join her. And of course, I said yes. This was where the new seats were. Now you can clearly see whose concert this is. This is Kenny Chesney, if you don't know who that is. We were between the main floor seats and the stage. I was about three people from the stage. This was a totally different experience. Oh my gosh, I was so immersed in it. I felt like the concert depended on me. It was so intense. I, ju I just loved it and I didn't want to leave. It was like, it was all consuming and thrilling. And if I hadn't said yes, I would have never experienced this. I couldn't, when I left, I couldn't stop telling people about this. I just, I wanted them to, to want the experience. I wanted to bring them with me. I wanted to go back for sure. And I just wanted to bring everyone with me. So why am I telling you about this Kenny Chesney concert in a Pentecost novena? Well, I think the difference between my experience in those two seats at the concert has given me insight into what I think has happened in the Catholic Church today. People are viewing Jesus from afar, and the experience, it's, it's an unremarkable experience. We need to have an up-close and personal experience in order for it to have an impact on us and to bring us back and to bring others with us. Why are so many Catholics and Christians leaving their faith? They have not been told it's possible to experience Jesus in an intimate way. Yes, they, some of them go to Mass and are in close proximity and even receive Jesus in communion. But since they predominantly don't know him, they're somewhat indifferent. And the graces from the sacrament are dependent on our disposition. It's really so much easier to get close to Jesus than it is to get close to Kenny Chesney at a concert. If we could just show people and tell people that this is possible, Jesus wants us to be closer. Kenny Chesney doesn't care if I get closer to the stage, but Jesus, as soon as I express the desire to be near him, he makes it happen. I don't even, I just have to say yes. So many of us have had this either a faraway experience or we only know about the Jesus someone told us about. And often the person telling us about him hasn't met him either. They're telling us what somebody told them. It's like me showing you this picture and saying, you should really 
check this out. You would love him. I you you should love him. It's it's an awesome experience. And since I had this experience, I can say it with conviction and I might inspire you. And so you might take a copy of this picture and then take it to your friend and say, "Hey, you know, this guy pretty awesome. You should come with me to a concert sometime." Um, yeah, come on, it's great, you know, and it, it gets way watered down because that person didn't have the experience. You didn't have the experience. Um, and then let's say the person you told was somewhat inspired, so they took another copy of the picture. And before you know it, this is what we're sharing. It's the faraway, watered down picture of something somebody else experienced. This is unfortunately what I think has happened in our Catholic faith. Everyone is sharing this watered-down, far-away picture, and it's not compelling and it's not attractive. And so people stop sharing it. They stop inviting people because, frankly, there's, it's not that exciting. In each generation, the faith is getting more and more watered-down. We need our own experience. We need to know him and not just know about him. This is why we should want a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. But it's a little scary and we need trust because the enemy planted the seeds of distrust in the garden and he continues to water that seed. And how do we gain trust? Well, one way is by seeing God's faithfulness expressed in the story in the kerygma. What is kerygma? Kerygma is a Greek word that means proclamation. In this case, the proclamation of the good news. We can't proclaim the Bible to everyone in detail every time we meet them. It would take way too long. <laughs> we need the elevator speech version. We need a cliff notes version. And this is what the kerygma is. It's the summary of the story of the good news that's expressed in the Bible. And there's power in the story. It's important to know the story so that we can gain trust in God and say yes to making it our story. So this is the kerygma. God the Father created us out of love to share his love with us for all eternity. Satan was envious of this relationship, and he tempted Adam and Eve to believe that God was not good and to, not to be trusted, and Adam and Eve fell for it. This caused all of us to be separated from God and be sold into captivity under the power of the forces we cannot control and we cannot overcome. Those powers are sin, death, Satan, and hell. This captivity and separation grieved God the Father so much that in the fullness of time he sent Jesus to rescue us. This victory was accomplished through Jesus, through his death, resurrection, and ascension. And our ability to claim this victory was made possible through the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is how we make the story our story. The book of Acts is the story of the Holy Spirit's action and power in the world. It ends with chapter 28. 
the same spirit is still alive and desiring to act in us in power. We are living the 29th chapter of Acts. And just like in the first 28 chapters, it can be just as life-changing and unpredictable. Wherever the spirit goes in power, miracles abound. Miracles in us, through us, and around us. We just need eyes to see and hearts open to receive this great gift. Please, God, give us a desire for your spirit. Help us to not be afraid. Help us to trust. Work miracles in our lives and the lives of those around us according to your will, for your glory and the salvation of souls. After we have seen in the kerygma that God is faithful, that he is trustworthy, that he loves us and wants a relationship with us, then we need to take a leap of faith. We only know if a parachute works if we jump out of the plane. We need to give God space to be God. After hearing the kerygma, we have good reason to believe that God is good and wants what's best for us. So jumping is a good risk. You may wonder why we need to go through all of this since we received the spirit at baptism and again at confirmation. Is all this really necessary? Am I saying that the sacraments are not effective? No, but I am saying that the graces from the sacrament are limited by the disposition, by the amount of consent and openness in the one receiving them. Let me give you an illustration of this. This is a glass of milk representing our bodies. And this is chocolate syrup representing the spirit. When we're baptized, usually uh, asked for by our parents when we're infants, the sacrament is effective even though we haven't consented because we're infants. But the sacrament is effective and it's poured into us, pouring a good bit in there. And now you can see that there's chocolate syrup on the bottom of this glass. We didn't really see any effect of the syrup going in, and it's laying at the bottom, kind of dormant, inactivated, if you will. So then along comes the middle school years when we're supposed to be able to give our full consent to confirmation, the sacrament of confirmation, where more of the spirit is poured out into us and what we have is stirred up. And you know, quite frankly, middle school students aren't really these days able to fully consent. I mean, to be honest, they're doing it because this is what Catholics do. So there's a little bit of a sense there and God will honor that. And the sacrament is effective. But, you know, despite our best efforts, we're still delivering a watered down faith and we're often not telling people that they can have a relationship with God. So they feel like they're consenting to rules, which isn't that exciting. So anyway, the sacrament of confirmation comes and there's a stirring. So you can see maybe the milk is getting a little darker 
in color, but still it stays at the bottom of the glass. And eventually no effects at all can be seen. So now here we are, here I am, an adult, and the, the spirit is in me, living in me, and yet it's inactivated at the bottom of the glass. But the good news is that I can ask for more, and I can ask for that spirit that I was given at my baptism and confirmation to be stirred up in me. And guess what? If we ask, he will grant us that request. Of course, why would he not? This is his desire also. So then we ask for the spirit and it's stirred up and now it's transformed. The milk is transformed into something new, different, better, sweeter, and it even has a new name. Now it's chocolate milk. <laughs> so the thing is, if we set this glass down and don't do anything with it, it settles to the bottom again. So we need to keep stirring up that spirit so he can act in us and give us his love, make us feel his love and his power. So as I said earlier, though I describe the Holy Spirit as the experience of the living God in our bodies. It's a relationship. And if we say yes to the activation of the Spirit in us, our spiritual senses start to become keener and we start to notice uh, the experience of this relationship in our bodies through our imagination, in our heart. And when our spiritual sight is opened, we begin to experience him and see him everywhere. Here are some ways that I've found that help grow deeper in relationship with the Holy Spirit and keep him stirred up. So prayer. Prayer is not a way to improve your relationship with God. It is your relationship with God. You must spend time with him regularly in order to get to know and trust him. Prayer is the primary place that God wants to reveal himself to you. Although as you spend more time with him, you start to notice him everywhere. Music and art. These things take you out of your left brain and into your right brain, where creativity and imagination and emotions reside. They open our heart, music and art, and bring forth emotion. They wake up our spiritual senses to the experience of God. Scripture, the word of God. God speaks and his word is creative. From the beginning, God said, let there be light. God said his word is creative. And you can see all throughout the Bible, God speaking to his people. It's the foundation of our faith that God speaks. It's how we got the Bible. He speaks not for himself, but he wants to speak to you, where you're at, to your heart. And we can use God's word to listen. This is a great way to pray. Open scripture and let it speak to you. Let him speak to you. He is alive, his word is alive, and it's creative. Of course, another way to experience 
and go deeper in relationship with God is through the Eucharist, where Jesus gave his body and blood, his flesh and blood, to be consumed by us, to be one with us, to dwell in us. And that is made possible by the Holy Spirit. So stay close to the Eucharist. There are some uh, powerful, unintentional experiences that we can have that deepen our relationship. We can't plan for them, but you'll notice them when your spiritual eyes start to be open. One is something called coincidence, where things happen and it seems, well, we just call it a coincidence. I call it God's highlighter. It's something he's drawing our attention to. And it's a way to experience him speaking to you and his loving presence, wanting to show you something, wanting to say something to you. We should take these coincidences to prayer and ask him, what is he telling me? The other way is through intuition. Sometimes he gives us thoughts um, that we couldn't have possibly come up with ourselves. They, they're... Um, filled with knowledge and wisdom and give us a deeper knowledge of him. And this is often unexpected, but still a great way to know his presence. When we grow close to the Holy Spirit, it is certain to be an exciting adventure. Do not be afraid. Our God is powerful, but gentle. He will meet you where you're at and lead you gently where he wants you to go. He will not force himself on you. He wants to court you. And as we go deeper in this relationship with the Trinity, we're transformed and full of joy. And bubbling up within us is the cry, I cannot but speak of what I have seen and heard. We are naturally eager to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is what Christ asked us to do right before he ascended to the Father. But before we go, he said, wait for the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. The Spirit was necessary for the apostles to be effective at spreading the good news. Before the Spirit, they were fearful and, and ashamed and afraid. But after the Spirit, he, he gave them the desire and the courage and the wisdom and the knowledge and the power to proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth, even if it meant suffering death for him. This is the transformative power of the Spirit. He wants to do the same in us. Jesus said, seek and you shall find. And so I invite you to open your hearts and your minds and seek him in a deeper way this Pentecost. And so we pray, good and faithful God, we desire to have a real experience of your presence and your love. Take away anything that prevents us from experiencing you in a tangible way. In the name of Jesus, we renounce all fear and all doubt. 
in the name of Jesus, we renounce the spirit of unworthiness and the spirit of indifference. Replace these lies and these spirits with peace and confidence and increased hope in your promises. We ask you today, especially, for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Holy Spirit, come to us in power. Give us a new Pentecost. We make an act of faith that you want us to experience your love and your presence. We believe, Lord, help our unbelief. Mary, spouse of the Holy Spirit, our model and our hope. You were with the first disciples in the upper room, waiting for the promise of the Spirit. We join you and open our hearts as we wait and cry out, come Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.